2: Goes, about that? About that? Here's Aloisi from Place of the World he yeah!
0: You're with Shim, Spider, and
2: so much more. Take it away, fellas.
0: Yes, hello again and welcome along to episode 21 of Shim Spider and so much more and a huge show ahead featuring our special guest Harry Kuehl which has produced a huge influx of questions, the best of which will win a $100 voucher for Outback Steakhouse. Elsewhere the new fixtures are out, the Champions League continues to produce disappointments for Australian clubs and the Greek Super League 2 season still hasn't started and of course the Football Week has been dominated by the death of the legendary Diego Maradona, arguably the greatest player ever. Let's welcome Spider and Amore. Guys, good to see you. A rather sombre note to kick off uh, this week, uh, the death of Diego Maradona. Uh, Your your thoughts on his life, his legacy for football?
3: For for me, I think it's a, a tragedy. It was something that I don't think anyone's seen coming. And you just see what the man has done for football. Um, I, I read some great, great quotes all week. You know, the flawed genius, and you know what, he was a flawed genius, and I think that's why the people loved him even more. What he done, what he's left, the legacy, what a human being, what a player. Rest in peace, champion.
1: Maori, yeah, well, you're a little bit, you're a little bit older than me, but um, mate, like I, I grew up as a kid. Obviously, uh, that 1986 World Cup for me. Um, was a it was my clearest actually growing up, and remember when I was at the AIS and we used to have the common room set up, and mate, there used to be videos of, of Diego Maradona on all the time. The boys just admiring the the skill, um, and he was a, an absolute genius. Um, you know, one of the best ever. And to to see him go at such a a young age of sixty is a very very sad day. Uh, but football will never ever forget this man. He was um, he, he was different class, Simon. I know you'd probably be a little bit. Um, different because of the hand of God and that, that goal against England. I don't know whether you've recovered like some others haven't. <laughs> uh, but, uh, genius.
0: Hmm. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, look, just to, to pick up on that, uh, yeah, obviously that handball uh, goal in 1986 was... Uh, a big talking point at the time, but uh, four minutes later, I think he scored one of the greatest goals the World Cup has ever seen. So I don't think you can view these things in isolation. And um, I, I've been a bit disappointed this week that some in England, I think particularly Peter Shilton has, has come out and you know d- dredged up the whole hand of God goal again. Let's just remember Diego, the player, because he was absolutely magnificent in his prime. Mm. All right, let's yeah. uh, get into it then, straight into hard talk. Hard Talk Hard Talk is brought to you by StreamGates which has been live streaming since 2008 specializing in custom built stream pages pay-per-view and multi-language streaming they can cater to large online conferences with multiple simultaneous streams and destinations including all social media channels servicing clients Australia wide go to streamgate.com.au or find them on Instagram Boys, uh, let's kick off this week with the news that uh, the A-League fixtures are out at, at long, long last. It kicks off on December the 27th, the W League as well. Uh, and we start with a derby game between the Western Sydney Wanderers and, and MacArthur FC. Probably come to you, Spider, for this one, given that's your neck of the woods. Uh, is this a, a fixture that could become a big rivalry, do you think? It's very early days, obviously, but uh, they're very, they're very close neighbours, aren't they?
3: Yeah, and I think it's a great way to start the A-League with a derby like that. Uh, Wanderers, we know how big they can be and uh, hopefully now with new manager in charge in Robinson, uh, I think we, we could be heading in the right direction to, to repairing the Wanderers and being the club that they can be. But I tell you what, MacArthur, they've recruited really well and they're probably slipping under the radar of a lot of lot of people at the moment, and I think it's a perfect start to the new A-League season. Great clash. Hopefully, we're allowed to have a crowd, uh, and the vibe of the A-League is underway.
0: Maury, um, what sort of a season are we expecting from the A-League? Is it one that's going to be transitional, or one that's, uh, that we all hope, I guess, is going to excite the masses? What, what do you predict?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I mean, what, what we're going to see this uh, new season, Simon, is obviously a lot of fresh talent, which we haven't seen for, for some time. The younger players getting the opportunity with the, the changing of the, of the salary cap. Some different foreign players coming in. Uh, a new club in, in MacArthur. So, look, I'm hoping that we're pleasantly surprised. Um, It'll be great to see a really exciting season because we know the benefits of uh, a really good season and what that can do for the future of the games. So, look, I'm certainly excited and can't wait for the the season to kick off.
0: Indeed. Um, I actually attended uh, an FFA media briefing a few days ago as well, where a few things were outlined to us. Uh, A domestic transfer system is coming. Uh, The white paper will be out uh, first week of December, we think. Um, Interestingly, as is Spider W League expansion next season, uh, they're looking to sort of move towards a 10-team competition as a bare minimum. Uh, get a proper home and away season eventually. So, you know, amongst all the the doom and gloom, there are some reasons to be cheerful, including the fact that uh, what could be completed as soon as today, which is Monday, the day that we're recording, uh, is the unbundling. And once that's done, really, then the onus, isn't it, is on the clubs to to drive new investment into the sport.
3: Hundred percent. And I think uh, I think that's great news for all the W League. Uh teams out there and all the girls that are playing the game and for the world cup that's coming up for the game it's it's fantastic i just i'd like to know where these teams are going to come from to make a 10-team competition but i'm sure this time that we've had through COVID, there's been a lot of work put in place now it's time to start seeing that work and uh which direction we're taking and the unbundling i'll leave that to maury maury loves the unbundling, so.
1: oh, I love the unbundling. <laughs> No, but you know what the unbundling basically means mate for the clubs the shackles are released, um, so they've got their their own opportunities now to um, to chase commercial revenue. Um, so you know how how well clubs are connected and how how hard they've worked in that corporate world, um, you know those clubs will benefit in this new unbundling spider.
0: Maury <laughs> it's it's a concern that we, we are a month out from the new campaign and I think we mentioned this last week or the week before there's still no naming rights sponsor for the league
1: yeah look that's a tough one in terms of you know the the, the league the league sponsorship um, even with the national team I'm not sure if we've got something in place with the national team um, again it's because of the the financial current climate it's not easy um, and I wouldn't be surprised, Simon, if the the league potentially is launched without without a major sponsor. But mate, it's a world that we live in at the moment. I think uh, again, if we go back to season starting, entertaining, exciting football, um, and and generating that interest again, I think we'll all go well for these kind of opportunities for the game. Um, The
0: Federation this week has also confirmed a name change Uh, The word Federation is going to be removed We're going to become Football Australia uh, Which obviously presents a problem for the FFA Cup as well So the suggestion, not confirmed as yet Is that we might go back to the old Australia Cup Um, What do you make of those changes? Mere cosmetics? Unnecessary? A waste of time? or, Or do they have some value?
3: Well, I I don't know what the political stance is behind it, uh, personally. If it's got something to do with that, I don't. I don't. Think I think. The, I think cares. the feeling, spider.
0: Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. The thing, The feeling is, is that it, it, because we've now got football Victoria, football New South Wales, uh, capital football, football West, that, that it, it brought the, the the governing body more into alignment and and you know it created this whole template that, that was the same across the board. If you like, that's the reasoning behind. it. Okay,
3: well, that's good. If as long as everyone knows who's in charge.
1: Yeah, and, and my, my my thing is I'm always play, playing devil's advocate or, or trying, to, trying to be a twister. But obviously, <laughs> when you set up a new company, new logo, new name, I'm sure there's a price to that. Is it something that was... Um, they say not. They yeah, say not. Hopefully not, Simon, because again, then you kind of question, is it a, is it a priority? But uh, Football Australia, Football Federation Australia, for me, it's neither here nor there. Um I, as, as long as we all know what the what the the direction is and that there 's going to be improvements in the game, then you 'll get no complaints from me I have to
0: say uh, I do quite like uh, the possibility of returning to the Australia Cup I think that uh, oh, links the, the, the current game with, with with our history our heritage and uh, and that 's important, but uh, that is yet to be confirmed. Uh, the FFA or the FA, whatever you want to call them, uh, will also suffer a $7.3 million loss over the financial year. That was uh, also reported this week. Uh, and, of course, in the, the annual general meeting, Chris Niku was uh, confirmed as chair for another year, and Stefan Kamaz uh, comes in to replace Remo Nogorotto on the board. Let's uh, move away from the boardroom, guys, and talk about the football on the pitch. The Asian Champions League... Not good again for our club. Six games played, six games lost. We have dropped a spot in the AFC rankings below Thailand. And for 2021, we will have just the one direct place. That's a concern, Spider.
3: It's a, it's a big concern. But we've spoken about it a lot over the uh, previous weeks, over the pod. The, the teams haven't been crap. Let, let's, get that, let's get that clear. They haven't been poor they're just beat by teams with more quality. And we've spoken about it over and over again. The preparation was really difficult for our teams uh, with the, the, the travelling. We knew our, what our salary cap is. It's gone down now. So now we're actually making it even harder for our teams to compete against the Asian clubs. And to be fair, they're putting on decent performances and losing matches just through sheer quality that the other teams have that we don't have
1: slides uh, yeah I, I kind of agree with you so the six losses we, we have scenario in terms of the Aussie team being uh, under prepared um i think in the future when, when this competition returns to normal uh, the importance of the a teams getting victory at home because an absolute must. I understand the difference between the salary caps uh, and the difference...
0: Ma- Maury, you're, you're, you're yeah, cutting out, unfortunately. We still still we're, not, we're, not hearing, out. we're not hearing you very well, Maury. Uh, we've got a bit of a problem with, with the Zoom link for some uh, reason. But I, I think uh, I sort of took your point there that uh, our, our teams need to improve, particularly at home. Um, do, do you want to have another go and see if that's, uh, that works a little bit better, Maury? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, just like I was saying, the, the A-League teams at home really need to be looking to try and win those those matches. Um, you know, it's a, the challenges in, in European Champions League and all that sort of stuff, home games, we should still be looking at winning games that hopefully put us in a better position because we need to improve in Asia.
0: Yep. Well, Vic, victory, are our only hope really now to go through. Uh, Glory and Sydney FC both out. Uh, Glory conceding two late goals to Ulsan once again. You're right, our teams have been competitive. But uh, at the end of the day, we're just not getting the results. And it is uh, four years now since we've had a team go through from the group stages of the Champions League uh, victory, uh, hanging on by their fingernails at the moment. Uh, Spider, uh, I want to ask you about Mitch Langerak. He's just set a new record at Nagoya Grampus uh, of 14 clean sheets in a season, is Mitch about to make uh, a big play for the Socceroos jersey and try and take it away from Matty Ryan? Tough thing to do.
3: Look, he's always been a very good goalkeeper. Uh, probably didn't get the credit he deserved, uh, probably because of where he played. Um, and that's no disrespect. He, he's played outside of England, so he doesn't get the coverage that he, that he gets. He spent a lot of time at a big club like Borussia Dortmund on the bench. Then he went to Stuttgart, done really well at Stuttgart. uh, Got a little bit stooge there by a a sports director and and chose to take the path of going into Japan and, and had a fantastic season. And he's a very, very good goalkeeper. Will he take the spot of Matty Ryan? I don't know. Matty's playing fantastic at the moment as well. But we're in safe hands. We've got two very good goalkeepers playing very, very well at the moment.
0: Maury, we'll finish off this segment uh, with you. Just want to ask you your thoughts on one or two transfers, players coming into the A-League for the new season. Rudy Gastide is signed for Melbourne Victory, which I think on paper is a pretty good acquisition if he can reproduce the sort of form he showed at Blackburn Rovers. Victor Sanchez uh, coming in at Western United. Uh, Markel Susayeta has gone to MacArthur. We saw him, of course, uh, last season with Melbourne City. And Toma Juric has has come back to the A-League, returning to Adelaide after five years in Europe.
1: Yeah, some interesting signings there, and uh, you know, Rudy Gostede, uh I'm not sure if that's how you say it properly, Gasperi, but he's cut a, a frustrating figure in, in, in the UK in recent times. Maybe the freshen up of a new league, and I'm sure he can he can do well in Australia. It's interesting to see Tommy Urich come back as well. We know that he's um, you know done well at Adelaide before, and I'm sure he'll expect to be doing the same again and leading the line there in, in a very exciting Adelaide United team.
0: Indeed. Okay, thanks very much, guys, uh, for the moment. Let's move overseas. London Calling. London Calling. Well, let's uh, start off uh, not with the Premier League uh, guys overseas, but uh, the Champions League. And in particular, Liverpool's loss to Atalanta and Anfield during the week. Uh, Atalanta proving that they're no one-season wonder, not that we uh, thought that they would be. It's been a bad week for Liverpool, hasn't it? Because at the weekend, of course, in the Premier League, they then drew 1-1 with, with Brighton and Hove Albion, after which Jurgen Klopp showed... All his frustrations in a TV interview with Des Kelly, a reporter for BT Sport, and he lashed out, about pretty much, lashed out at pretty much everybody, the broadcasters, uh, other managers over kickoff times, uh, uh, injuries to his players, the lack of a five-substitute rule in the wake of that draw against uh, the Seagulls. It, it looks as though he's just a little bit on edge, doesn't he, Jurgen Klopp, at the moment? Mate, he's probably not getting enough sleep
3: because they are <laughs> traveling for they're traveling for fun, the guys. They're playing every Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Like they're, they're traveling, they're probably not recovering as well as they can. Um, I, I did watch the game. In all fairness, Liverpool should have won, um, and I look, I just think it's frustrate frustration for for all these managers because their, their teams are getting capitulated by injuries. We all know. We spoke about it in hindsight that there was always going to be this problem this year: too many games, not a long enough preseason, uh, traveling left, right, and center. And this is what's happening. And managers who are expected to win start coming up with excuses. Even great managers like Klopp. Yeah,
0: well,
1: in, in the in, sorry, 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 Simon. In the UK, in particular, Spies. I mean, the the, the football fraternity is uh, are getting really, really frustrated. I mean. Klopp now, uh, obviously Olegan Gunnar Solskjaer come out a couple of weeks back uh, about the scheduling and, and the ongoing chat around about the VAR. So there's a lot of frustrated people in football with just some of the decisions that are being made by people that actually don't play football or are not involved yeah. in a football club.
3: Well, I'm glad it's not just in Australia then, so it's happening all over the world.
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Uh, talking of the Champions League, our Mabil got his first uh, goal in the competition from the penalty spots uh, last week. A 3-1 loss in the end for Michelin to Ajax, but uh, this, this is a great experience for, for one of our key socceroos going forward, Spider.
3: Yeah, no, f- fantastic. Um, I did say a few weeks ago that they would lose every game. They wouldn't win any points. And I got belted on Twitter by some genius who's never kicked the ball. But, uh, <laughs> but they have lost every game. But it was great for him to, great for him to score. And it's a great experience. Yeah. These are games that are going to develop him as a player. Just because they don't win, it doesn't mean he's not going to develop as a player. It's a great experience.
0: Absolutely. Um, moving on to the Premier League. Uh, Manchester City got back... Uh, to form, hammering Burnley five 0 for the fourth consecutive time. Uh, I don't think uh, Burnley enjoy their trips to Manchester. Riyad Mahrez grabbed a hat trick. Uh, Chelsea and Spurs, the big game at the top of the table, finished uh, goalless. Manchester United edged out Tottenham in a five uh, sorry Southampton in a five goal thriller. The big question mark, guys, is Arsenal losing at home again. That's three consecutive home losses, the latest of which is to Wolves. Now, at the start of the season, we all thought that Mikel Arteta was starting to sort things out with the Gunners. Yeah. It doesn't appear that that's the case, Maury.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a tough one here, over here, just in terms of, again, the amount of games, the, the European football. Um, and you're going to have little dips, Simon, uh, which Arsenal clearly are, are, are having just now. Uh So, you know, it is important for Arteta to get back to winning ways. Losing at home to Wolves. Wolves are a very good side away from home. They do well against the big teams. Um, But still, Arsenal fans will be disappointed. They were expecting better this season. Um, But I'm sure Arteta is a manager that can turn things around. It's just a, a dip at the moment, I'm saying. And I think that they'll come out of it and start getting results again very soon.
0: Arsenal are going to be the the first major club to have supporters back in the stadiums when they play in uh, the Europa League. Uh, Fans are going to be allowed back in small numbers in the UK from December the 5th. Spider, is, is that wise? I mean, you've been through all this coronavirus lockdown stuff in Greece as well. I don't know what the situation is like over there with regards to spectators in the, in the top flight. But for me, I, I just you do worry whether, again, they, they're going a little bit too early and whether they're risking a third wave of, of infections.
3: Um, look, it's a difficult one. One thing I'm finding really difficult is watching these games without crowds.
0: And
3: um, there's talk, Simon, uh, of 4,000 people to a game. Is that right?
0: Uh, I think it's so, 2,000. It depends on the capacity, obviously. It's a percentage, isn't it, of the capacity. But uh, I, th- I think for yeah. Arsenal, uh, or in, the- in the first instance, I think it's going to be about two, 3,000, something like that.
3: Look, I think the, the stadiums are well and truly big enough to handle that, to spread it around, for there to be some noise. And let me tell you, 3,000 people or 4,000 people at a match at you know, at Emirates Stadium or Old Trafford or at the city ground, they'll still make some noise because those stadiums echo. And I, I think it'll be very good for the players just to have some sort of noise and some sort of people at the game because this home ground advantage has gone right out the window with this no-crowd system.
1: Good. good. Yeah, yeah, totally gone. Yeah, be
0: good to be good to have some normality back for the uh, for the spectators as well who no doubt have missed uh, their fortnightly or weekly trips to uh, their local football stadium. Um, Maury want to ask you about uh, talking about the coronavirus? Uh, the the situation in Scotland. SBL clubs, I read this week, have still not been paid their final instalments for. Last season, that's 1920, uh, and a letter from the the league CEO Neil Doncaster this week to the First Minister Nicola Sturgeon uh, said this, and I quote, Scottish football is on its knees and clubs, big and small, are in the most dire straits. The failure to get fans back in the very near future will sound the death knell for some of our best-loved clubs. I mean, he's not mincing his words there, and yet Nicola Sturgeon has remained unmoved and has responded by saying, look, we can't see football in isolation. We sort of understand that. But uh, that's got to be a major concern and a major talking point in the part of the world where you are at the moment.
1: Yeah, a little bit special up here in Scotland. Um, but now nah, look, it is because a lot of the clubs without... Fans coming into games, Simon, are, are really, really hurting. I mean, we, we knew a couple of months ago that come Christmas time, if fans weren't allowed to come back in, it could be the end of some football clubs. That's how that's how bad it is. Um, so hopefully, we can find a way in a the safe possible way to start getting their fans in stadiums. I think now, um, with limited numbers, with the, the distancing, uh, with the protocols in place, I don't see any reason why they can't. Um, but Scotland's no different to a lot of other countries
0: um, and Maury, just, just sticking with you for the, this final part of this segment, um, I know Rangers threw away a two-goal lead against Benfica in the Euro- Europa League uh, during the week, but um, Celtic are in all sorts, aren't they? Uh, they lost 4-1 to Sparta Prague, they're out of the Europa League, and then they lost uh, in the Scottish Cup as well to, to Ross County at the weekend, uh, and, and big protests yeah. against Neil Lennon and Peter
1: Lawwell.
3: Hang on, no. Maury, stop smiling before you answer this question, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, look, I mean, Celtic are in a bad way, uh, Simon, domestically. Knocked out of Europa. Didn't qualify for Champions League. Knocked out in the League Cup today at home to Ross County. Um, so, huge pressure on Neil Lennon uh, at Celtic Football Club. Rangers, on on, on the other hand, are <laughs> going quite smoothly at the moment. Um, Two draws against Benfica, which were disappointing from the position they put themselves in. Um, But domestically looking strong. uh, And it's looking, um, hopefully, for Rangers as if the the sea of change is happening this season.
0: We shall see. And obviously, uh, Rangers fans uh, would love that to stop Celtic winning 10 in a row. Thanks for the moment, boys. We should just close this section as well by saying that uh, not only did Diego Maradona pass away Uh, This week, which has made a lot of headlines around the world, but uh, also news in the last 24, 36 hours that Papa Bouba Diop, who you may remember uh, playing in the Premier League for both Fulham and for Portsmouth and scoring at the World Cup in 2002, the opening goal, the winning goal against France for Senegal, he unfortunately has passed away as well at the age of 42. So uh, a tragic, very, very sad week uh, for football losing those uh, two uh, high profile players Alright, on to our final segment and we've got arguably the biggest guess yet on Shim, Spider and so much more Footballers Live So our guest today probably needs a little introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. Born in Sydney, 1978, he took his first steps in pro football in the mid-90s when he swapped Australia for Yorkshire and Leeds United. Nearly a decade later, after becoming a first-team regular and a fan favourite, he left to join Liverpool. At Anfield, he won the FA Cup and the away for Champions League. Although injuries disrupted his final years with the Merseysiders, he then moved to Galatasaray in Turkey, had two spells playing back in Australia for Melbourne Victory and Melbourne Heart, punctuated by a stint in Qatar for Al Garafa. He won 58 caps for Australia, scoring at the 2006 World Cup. And in 2012, he was voted Australia's greatest ever player. And he's now manager of Oldham Athletic. It is a real privilege to welcome the great Harry Kehl to our humble podcast. How are you, H? How's life in Oldham? Um,
2: Oldham's perfect at the moment. <laughs> when you win, everything's perfect. Um, no, it's, it's, it's fantastic at the moment. Everything's um, going well.
0: Three straight wins, including in the, in the FA Cup uh, against Bradford uh, over the weekend. Just how difficult is it to manage in the lower leagues in England, you had it. You had a couple of cracks in it. Now this is your third job.
2: Yeah, you, know, you know what? Every, everyone keeps telling me I've, I've had three cracks at it, and I kind of get hurt by that because everyone, everyone kind of feels that I failed at Crawley. Where I got actually bought, and 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 people go, "Oh, well, it's your third attempt, and don't make sure you don't mess it up." And, and then I'm sitting there going, "How did I really mess the other two up? I mean, Crawley was good. Okay, and I, I didn't get a chance at Notts County." But I have to say, I love managing in this league. Um, it is honestly a roller coaster ride. Yeah, like one minute, your emotions are up here, and then next minute, they're down here. You know, and I know it's bad what I'm about to say, is, but after you know five o'clock on a Saturday, you're either going to be fun dad or angry dad. <laughs> and, uh, you that, uh, in, into, into the house, and the last weeks, obviously, I've been fun dad. Um, but no, I. I, I say this generally, I mean, I, I do want to go to the highest level um, and I'm sure it is difficult, but starting here at these leagues, like I said, you can really see the improvement every every player can make and the improvements, not the one or two percents, you, know, you can make up to 10 to 15% difference in a player's career, in his life, in everything. And you can see that change clearly. Um, and that's what I, that's what I, I like.
1: H I remember catching up with, uh, on the, the gold coast when you were doing the, the academies, was it with Jeep? Yes. Um, but, but mate, I wanted to ask you that, that coaching bug, when, when did that, when did that come for you Where, and how did it come about? Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: You've all known me uh, and no one would have taken it that I would have been a coach. Um, I I never really concentrated on the coaching side of it when I was playing because I genuinely believe it's, you know, it's, you can't do two jobs at once, Um, especially for men. You know, we can only concentrate on one thing. Um, so, So for me, it was really concentrating on football. So I didn't really pay attention to obviously the coaching side of it. But I was always, again, you, you know me. I was always intrigued on the tactical side of it. I always understood what managers wanted. I always knew how to play the game. Um, and I, I remember the first time because once I had retired, I was sitting at home, and uh, obviously everyone says, "Go do your badges." You might as well go do your badges now. It's like your, your driver's license. You know, you, you might as well go get it done. And you know, right. if you drive, drive. If you don't, you don't. So I, I remember going out there, uh, doing my badges, and it was. Uh, my, my B license, and we had to stay there for two weeks. And my first session I had to do was defend uh, crosses. Defending crosses. Oh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you what, at least I know where the ball's gonna go, all right? So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was actually, you know what? And, and, and I took the session and and I loved it. And I, I I wrote it all down. I had it all clear, written down, perfect. And I remember, setting up the drill and it was just a simple drill I did it was just like a and I tried to get everyone involved because I I, I try and keep what is natural in a game so players don't get bored and players always have to think so I, I I kind of did a and I remember I was pulling people around in the back line and all that and making sure this is where I want you to stay and someone questioning I said look don't question it just be here and so I was like oh, okay fair enough and you know and the only way I can explain it the, the where the bug come from is you know when you you score and you get that, like that burning desire. It's like unbelievable. That's what I got. I got that little ignition and that just fueled it from there. And I honestly, I went back to my room that night and I think I, I created drills in my head. I put it down on my computer and then it just started snowballing, snowballing and kept on going. And before I knew it, I was obviously, I'd done my pro license. I was at Watford and now, yeah, obviously coaching.
0: Harry, can we take you back an awful long time, but before, long before you even thought about coaching? You're growing up as a kid in the west of Sydney, in Smithfields. Um, how did a young Aussie kid end up in Leeds from that part of the world? It seems quite a quantum shift. Well, spider, spider will know this, mate. We Western boys can get anywhere. <laughs> 100% hate.
2: <laughs> um, I... Obviously, I was training um, with David Lee, Upper Park Lee, at, up, up at the time, and uh, his New South Wales Academy. I was obviously with um, some very talented players like Paul Reed, Brett Hamilton, Kane Rascal, um, and a few others. And we were we were given six spots for Big Brother, um, and Big Brother was a um, a sponsorship where they would send young talented players overseas in any kind of what well, in their field of what. Ours was football. They'd send musicians. They would send swimmers. they would send everyone.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and it was our turn. I remember David Lee had to pick, you know, six out of the 12 players he had. And it must have been tough for him because we were all just as equally as good as each other. Um, but he decided to send me and Brett to Leeds. And I remember when he, he asked us, I can still remember where he asked us as well as just outside where all the rooms were. And we jumped at it. Both of us did. We thought it was an excellent opportunity just to, I mean, we both in our wildest dreams never would have thought anything would have happened. Uh, I think we were just going to go over for the experience um, and really get that bug to come back and really, really work my trade in Australia and then really push it that way. Um, But obviously going over to Leeds and having the opportunity and, you know, technically playing one of the, now, did you know, I, I don't know if any of you know, my first actual game for Leeds United, what, what my name was? No.
1: What your, sure. what your name was? Was it not Harry?
2: Nah. <laughs> there <It wasn't, laughs> was something on <laughs> the my back of his shirt. They were hiding you already, United bud. Lawrence Davis. Well,
1: Lawrence, Lawrence Davis?
2: Lawrence Davis, yeah. And I was from Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, with that yeah. beard now, you could get away with being from
3: Wales. Yeah, I know, I
2: know, I, I could. <laughs> so I ended up playing uh, and, and we played uh, Rotherham and uh, like I know it was, back then it was, it was a bit naughty, but uh, I ended up playing, um, I think about 35 minutes, 40 minutes um, and Sadie Brett as well. I can't remember what Brett's name was, um, <laughs> but I ended up playing and on the way back, uh, the poor heart at the time was um, the, the manager uh, and he called me down. And he said, how would you like to sign? And I just said, oh, my God, yeah. Straight away, yeah, I'm there. Did,
1: did, he, did he call you Harry or did he call you by the other? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, he called me Harry. He called <laughs> me Harry. Um, but, no, it was um, – and, and, again, and I just – like I said, I, I remember coming back home and I was so excited. And I remember yeah. explaining to my dad uh, that – and my dad was like, well, there's no way I can stop him. Um, but yeah, he, uh, my dad sorted my first contract out. Uh, I had to play in the under 17s world cup. Um, I think it was the under 17s. Yeah. I played in that in Ecuador. So I didn't, I, I missed pre-season. Um, but then obviously, uh, I come back over there, had my long hair and I started playing, playing my trade and absolutely loved it.
0: So Harry, that's. That that was the start of a long association, obviously with Leeds United, and it was very successful for the most part of your career there, reaching the semi-finals of the Champions League in two thousand and one, and then it all sort of fell apart a little bit financially for the club, didn't it? And and you ended up joining Liverpool in in rather acrimonious. Uh, circumstances. We, we've had a couple of questions about that. You won't be surprised to hear. Um, one guy who's tweeted, Jonathan Finger on Twitter, a Leeds fan, clearly. Any, any regrets or changes you would make to that saga with the benefit of hindsight? You knew that one was coming, H.
2: <laughs> look, look, for me, again, everyone, everyone has their opinion. Everyone reads what people want to put out there. Look, at the end of the day, I, I, I loved Leeds. Absolutely loved it. I, I, I look back... And my eight years there was, was wonderful because I think as much as I had a, a strong upbringing, I had a good mentality and I was physically strong in myself, living there for eight years made me even stronger. You know, and you, you talk about proud um, Yorkshire men and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what helped me, you know, be part of who I am today. So I'll always be grateful for, for Leeds for giving me the opportunity and looking after me. But that whole saga of me coming down to the end of my contract and everyone was saying, Oh, you know, uh, you're going here, you're going there. Look, I had to pick I had to pick somewhere because at the end of the day I was running out of a contract and Leeds wasn't offering me a contract. So I I didn't, I don't know what really people wanted me to to do. And I wasn't gonna be sit there and dictated to as well is where Leeds was wanting me to be go to to other places uh, very, very quite close to to Leeds and I, 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 d- I didn't want to do that to, to Leeds fans and um, I I decided to, to be my own person because obviously you all know me well enough now that I do make my own decisions and I'll go the, the opposite direction to most people um, but I, I fell in love with my uh, decision to, to go with with Liverpool and Okay. In hindsight, uh, with the with the Liverpool stuff, you know, it I, I had five years there and I absolutely loved it. But injury wise it was a nightmare. But would I change it? No, because I think it's made me a better person.
1: Hey, it's just on the, the leagues there. Yeah, I remember obviously we were involved in the national team together at that time and used to remember watching leagues and how exciting that, that, that team was. Obviously you were a young player coming through, but mate, you must have really enjoyed those times. Obviously they run, the Champions League, but it was a it was a very entertaining side. I remember that you know starting from what was it Robinson in goals. You had Kelly and Hart as fullbacks. Decourt was a great player. Decourt, Woody, Eric Rio.
2: We had Woody, Rio, David Batty, Lee Bowyer, Alan Smith, Michael Bridges, Robbie Keane, Vardouks. Um, it was a great team. It was, team, a, great right? it was team. a young team as well. It, it, you know that you know the, people say what that team was like and. It was probably one of the best kind of teams I'd been around. I know the, the, the national team for me was one of the greatest um, because we all got on so well. But the Leeds team was, was up there because, yeah, we were all young. We were all driven to, to have success. Um, but the one thing I think people really don't – never really understood and I, I never really seen it anywhere else is when we trained at Leeds, it was feisty. Like I'd <laughs> never seen the intensity so high. I'd never seen tackles. I've never seen challenges. I'd never seen arguments. I mean, there would be a fight at least every three or four training sessions. I yeah, like- Good, good environment.
1: Good environment. Yeah,
2: perfect environment. But yeah. that fight would, es- like, it wouldn't escalate. You, it, uh-huh. would, it would happen. And then once it finished, it'd finish, right? And, pe- and like, people don't understand that, that when we went out on a weekend, like, that anger that we had and that then we backed each other up. Yeah. So, we had this team and we had, we had some great experienced players as well where when teams used to come, they used to think, oh, well, these are young. We're going to absolutely batter them. You know, we'll, we'll get stuck into them. You know, we'll leave a few on them. I mean, we had some of the most oh, dirtiest tacklers <laughs> in the game. I mean, like, Bo was crazy. Bats yeah. was out there. Hearty loved to challenge Woody. I mean, uh, Smithy, oh my God. Some of the challenges challenges. he should throw himself into, I would be be like, oh my God. I think the only one that didn't challenge was probably me and Mark. (laughs) (laughs) You go and kick the ball and just give us the ball. Um, But no, but that was it. So then when teams realized that they couldn't kick us off the park, then they thought, okay, well, let's see if we can pass them off the park. Well, they couldn't do that either because we just had all this connection and then we had a hunger and desire. I mean, when you look at that team there, we had, if we start from the back, we had Robbo, who had two great feet. I yeah. mean, for a, for a young keeper, he was great with his feet and he's great delivery. Um, yeah, he was still learning his trade. I mean, he had a great, with Nigel Martin and that, I know Nigel uh, moved on, but with Robbo, he, he had one or two little mistakes in him, but he got better and better and better and obviously he become Obviously, England's number one. And then you look at, yes, we had Gary Kelly and Danny Mills as well. Uh, yeah. Two right backs that were flying, like up and down, and they could both deliver as well. Then then we had Woody, who, Woody and Rio, who obviously Rio had a wonderful career. But I always say that if Woody didn't have the injuries, I would still say that Woody would have been better. Um, yeah. But that's obviously in hindsight because I, I grew up with Woody and, he had great pace, he had great attributes, he could deliver, he could pass, he could head, he could challenge, he could run, he could do everything. And he was never shy on getting on the ball. And then obviously you had a left back that each year scored, what, 13, maybe 14 goals? I mean, you tell me a left back that scores 13, 14 goals now. I know they assist these, 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 these years, but a left back, I mean, yeah. you don't really get that. And then when you have the control in the midfield, we had Bo who, like I said, I, I love players good. like this. Sorry?
1: He was an animal, Bo.
2: But the one thing I loved about Bo was Bo was a box-to-box player. And people mm. used to go, oh, but you're lucky. How would you score that lucky goal? You know, how would you get it? But when you look back at his games, he constantly ran into the box. Like, not once, not twice, not three times. Like, if, if the chance was to run 50 times in a game, he would run 50 times. In the game, if it was a hundred times you would run a hundred times just to get that one scrappy goal, Harry. You go, oh, well, you're lucky. That ball just bounced to you, and he used to look at you, used to hate. It. He goes, "Well, what do you make them runs, Harry?" I said, no, I'll, "I'll leave them to you, mate. You, you can have that." Harry, before.
0: Sorry, be, before we be, before we go through that, the whole team, because I, I'm wary that uh, we, we only have f- about 40 minutes on the call um, and there's so many questions to get through. I, I do want to ask you about just one more of your Leeds teammates, though. You did mention Mark Baduka there. Dukes did a, an interview a couple of months ago where he went public and said that the two of you had a, a period of time where you weren't friends. Um, you, you fell out quite, quite badly during your days at Leeds United. But he says that's now all been... Uh, resolved it and fixed up uh, quite some time ago. Is, is is that the way you remember it as well?
2: Um, it's a shame. Yes and no, because I, I and, and this is truthfully, I never really had anything against Mark. I mean, besides he was a fantastic footballer and probably one of the best players I ever played with, because I played better when I played with Mark. Mm-hmm. I think the team played better because he had this kind of aura about himself. He's, when he was good, he was far better than what he was capable of doing because he could he could handle two or three players. He could flick balls. He could strike balls. He could control balls. He could bring people into play. He could link up play. He could do everything except run channels. So other than that, <laughs> he was... He was, <laughs> I
1: was
2: and you're the only one that got that. That wasn't him,
1: Jake. That wasn't <laughs> <laughs>
2: Definitely not his big, though. No. So, so, so when he came, I think as well because we kind of had the same agent Uh, And like I said, I I was concentrating on my stuff. And maybe there was a little bit of hostility. But the one thing Mark never did, he never really brought it on the pitch. Well, both of us, because we did our job, we're both professional. Um, But Mark had this little bit about himself. And I remember the day I first, well, I saw Mark change. It was the first time he had his his first boy. And I remember him coming in, in Leeds, and we were all waiting because he was excited for it. And that was the day Mark, for me, I just saw a completely different Mark Varduka. Because he came in and he just said, I don't care about anything now. I've just had a baby boy. It's just the best thing in the world. I'm a different side to him. And like I said, I, I, I do get on well with Mark. Always from then, definitely from then onwards, it's, it's, it's been great. And I speak to Mark occasionally as well. And uh, last time I spoke to him, he was in Croatia and he was at a uh, – his, his two boys were playing football – and he was watching them and i think he was shouting some instructions at them so he was making <laughs> me laugh he was making me laugh
0: that's good to hear he <laughs> was, tell-
3: was telling him <laughs> to run in the channels like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably well, probably um so so let's move on to your, your time with, with liverpool uh, harry um They were your team as a kid, so I I guess in many ways it it must have been a dream move. And in 2005, of course, you you famously became the first Australian-born. Craig Johnston did win the the European Cup and he was born in South Africa, but you were the first Australian-born player to win the Champions League. Um, You you were selected ahead of of Didi Haman. Uh, Obviously, you had an injury in in the final as well, which was a problem, but um, uh, just Describe that experience for us and, and answer a Twitter question as well in the meantime, if you can, from the real death stare. What was said by Rafa Benitez at halftime when you were three nil down to AC Miller? <laughs> that
2: that whole that whole day, I mean, you, you hear a lot of things and look, you won the game, so who really cares who started or what that? I mean, that's at the end of the day, it, it's we don't play a sport that is an in- individual game we play a sport because it's a team game and as much as we all want to be there and you ask any any footballer anyone that let's just say you play a world cup and you've scored nine goals 10 goals right and you're playing in the semi-final right and, and you've got your team to the semi-final and you've got them two to the final the day before the game you get an injury you pull your hamstring you don't play in the world cup final but you've scored 10 goals, you've got your team there, you don't play in the final, and the guy that plays your position comes on, he scores the winning goal for the World Cup, and he's heading there like, you're sitting there going like, I didn't win the World Cup. Because you didn't play in that last game. And, that, and, and, and that's what it's like for, for football, because you, you, you want to be there. I mean, look, the, the whole experience in 2005, I can't look, I'll, I'll go back, I've, I've told this story so many times, where I remember I was walking, we were going on a pretty much walk, and we were, I was walking with Jibril C. and I remember Benita said, Harry, can I have a word with you? I said, yeah, no problem. He asked me how I was feeling. I said, look, I feel good. But don't forget, I was going in for an operation the next two days after or a day after or something like that. He goes, how are you feeling? I said, yeah, I'm good. He goes, good, because I'm going to start you. I said, okay, yeah, cool, no problem. He goes, is this how I'm going to play? I said, yep, no problem, Did it. And then I went out there and everything felt great. Yeah, look, we, we got off to a terrible start. But generally like I was feeling actually quite good. I was I was running. I ran a few channels. Uh I was holding <laughs> the ball up. Um and I and I was getting in the game. I was actually enjoying the game. Um and then obviously I went in for a challenge with Catuso. And obviously with my leg being in the position that it was, obviously I collided with the 50-50 and obviously my groin snapped. Now there's nothing much you can do uh once your groin goes because I looked down, all I can remember seeing was just a big lump of ball just halfway down my leg. And I was like, well, that's, that's not good. Anyway, <laughs> I ended up uh, walking off. And then obviously losing three nil, everyone's blaming me. Why are you not starting him this, that, and the other. And look, we won it, which is fantastic, but, like the, a lot of the abuse you got, you know, for, look, I didn't pick the team. You know, I, I just went out there and played my role, what I had to do. And, and, a lot of people were questioning it and, I, and even other players that played were questioning it and all that. And I remember, and I loved it because Benitez went on Monday night football and he got asked that by Jamie Carragher and he got asked, you know, why did you play him? Why didn't you play this? Because I thought this. He goes, no. He goes, I played him because he was technically very good. He could hold the ball up. He was good in the air. He can make the passes and he can break the lines right? He's quick. He goes, the problem was it wasn't him. The problem was my midfielders wasn't picking up Kaka and my defenders wasn't doing their jobs at the start. Yeah, yeah. And I love that because he kind of backed me up. And yeah. I felt with all the stick that i got, I just thought that it was nice of him. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we 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 play a team sport and I remember coming off and it wasn't right. And obviously sitting in there and I just... I was in the. I was actually in the uh, the treatment room. I wasn't in the actual dressing room, uh, so I actually heard what Benitez said. I remember just sitting there with a bag of ice on my groin, just thinking, "This is the biggest game possible I could be playing in. I'm injured and I can't do anything. My team are three nil down, and I can't do nothing about it. I mean, it's, it's not the greatest feeling, you know. And uh, you, you're sitting there and you're just thinking, like." The world's gonna, you know, swallow you up. But then, you know, your, your dot com's running in and goes, Oh, we just scored. I go, Oh, cool. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Three one. It's all right. It's not bad. Because Yeah, because I, I, was, I was sitting there with Finn as well, because Finn had two ice bags on his groins. So we're sitting there. Next week he comes back in and goes, Oh, it's only three two. We're going, Really? <laughs> he goes, Yeah, yeah, three two. I can't believe it. He goes, He goes back out there. Oh, I think, about, what was it, three or four minutes? He comes running back. We've only got a penalty. Oh, my God. Both ice Bays gone ripping off like this. <laughs> like that. We're all running out there, hobbling out there like that. And we just see Shabby Alonso put this, the, the rebound in. And then we see, obviously, what what I can't only, only say to, to be proud of a team. It was I was so proud to be part of that team. Because what they did that night was exceptional. Uh, to come down three 0 against champions like AC, uh, to come back to three 0 and like I said, it was just uh, just I was a proud moment for me to be a part of that team. Sure.
1: Uh, national team stuff. Obviously, we were all involved and shared similar journeys in terms of the the roller coaster of what was World Cup qualification. Um. Mate, just your your high points with the national team and and, and, and low points uh, you know might be a little bit different to mine obviously 97 wasn't great for us um, but what, what are your highs and lows of the national team stuff
2: uh, you know what? I, I always found playing from a national team it was a kind of a getaway because like I said I think we were very lucky as a as a squad because we would I don't know we would rock up in the middle of nowhere and just play football against God knows what teams and just put on a performance. And, you know, and it was like we've never been apart. It was like we're actually just going back to normal club football. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I always when you get on a team bus and everyone speaks to everyone, that means you've got a good team environment. You know, when you have your little cliques and and, and all that kind of stuff, you just – it just doesn't feel right. Whereas us, we were always shouting over everyone, this, that, and over. And next week, you'd get a big slap from Spiders, and like, say, shut <laughs> down, you be quiet there like that. And these, these, but it, it was fantastic. I mean, so I, I don't, didn't really have any low points. I, I suppose, okay, yeah, I do. Just thinking of it. Obviously, the injury, uh, not being able to, to play against the Italians oh, yeah, uh, exactly. in 2006 is probably, like I said, from going from such a high uh, from qualifying and then just uh, sods law. You,
1: you, you scored against Croatia that obviously helped us get. Yeah, to- So did you? Yeah, but I was talking about people. <laughs> <laughs> Describe that moment I, to I, us I, I threw
3: one in.
0: I threw one in. So you all, so all saved me against. Bro, Head, I called
2: it's, it. It's called a team game. It's called a team <laughs> game. Correct, correct.
0: Harry, Harry, describe that feeling of, of that goal against Croatia. And also, um, your part in the most famous miss kick in Australian football history, to tee up Mark Brasciano to get us there in the first place, or help get us <laughs> there.
2: Oh, well, look, I'll start, I'll start with the, the miss kick. Um, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not shy to, to say that, you know, I tried to hit it as hard as I could and clean cut it. But, you know, sometimes you just shank a shot. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but but that's when you know if you shank a shot, you always have your midfielders coming in and protecting you, and that's what a good mid- midfielder in Bresciano did. Um, but even that night was an exceptional night for us. I mean, I you know from playing uh, over there to coming back and then not starting, um, you know it, it does hurt. But like I said, then you're there for the team and you want to go out there and do your best. And then obviously, uh, I, I, I jumped into the game quite early on. Um, yeah I, I was feeling great. I was feeling good. I was feeling confident um, and just wanted to keep on going. Um, yeah, we got back in the game. It was just a shame we didn 't really finish them off um, and we had to go to penalties but like i said we we were very confident players, us australian boys and we we knew when we got to there we weren 't going to let this one slip and we had confidence in uh, in mark and we had confidence in in all our uh, strikers uh, or all our penalty takers so we knew we, we had them then, and then we were just going to enjoy the show, which we did, and then we turned up to obviously um, in Germany, which was interesting. We started a, a fantastic um, setup. What was it? What would you call it? A
1: oh, like I a castle. I remember. <laughs> I remember <laughs> what
2: it was. I remember what it was, but <laughs> it's turned into a nice hotel. <laughs> but no, it was. Uh, <laughs> It, it was lovely, I remember. We had, we had like what, Michelin star food all the time. Oh, it was incredible. It,
0: incredible. Just don't worry
3: about the food, just worry about the veranda at the back of the hotel where we used to congregate
2: all the time. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, oh yeah, down there, wasn't it, yeah? It just, <laughs> that was it, wasn't it? Like you'd just walk there and everyone would just congregate together and talking and just talking about anything and just chilling out and, and, and just catching up. And like you said, it was really like, you're playing with like brothers. You weren't playing with like teammates, you were like, playing with brothers. And I think that's why we, we had such a unique kind of style, unique kind of play. But the one thing, like I said, like, which I had a bit in Leeds, which I, I suppose where I played most of my good football with Leeds and in Australia, is where I had that kind of connection with my, with, with my teammates where I knew that they'd protect me and then I know that I could protect them. And, you know, and you'd go out there and, and give, it, give, give yourself all to your teammates and they'd do vice versa.
0: Harry, we, we've got about uh, six or seven minutes left. So uh, I do want to get on to one or two Twitter questions. But before that, I also want to ask you a question about the 2010 World Cup. Maybe not quite a, 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 as good a memory. Uh, you get red carded for a handball against Ghana in the second game. And, and that's that's your World Cup experience over. And I, I still think that's probably one of the harshest decisions <laughs> that I've seen at a World Cup finals. I'm, I'm sure you would agree with that assessment.
2: Ugh, look! Don't 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 talk to me about referees because <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be here for honestly six seven hours. I mean, uh-huh. I had one I had one yesterday, right? That now you tell me my well my winger is running in on goal, right? And the defenders behind him He's tried their slide tackle the ball. Fair enough. He slide tackles the ball, he gets the ball, but he's the last man, right? Takes my player out, but it was a yeah. good challenge. My player gets up, right? to run and get the ball again. The player brings him down. What yeah. card is that? It's a red. Apparently, it's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we we all love talking yellow, about referees. Right? <laughs>
2: Apparently, it's a yellow. Because you know why? The ball didn't go towards the goal. The ball went towards the, the, the sideline. Yeah. But didn't referee, say, did, like, did the didn't referee at least come in, to you went a yard. and
3: explain to you, did he at least come to you and say, manager of the month, this is the reason
2: why it's only a <laughs> yellow card. <laughs> you know what? Look, Spider, when, when, when decisions like that go against you and you win, you don't really care. But yeah, if that yeah, guy would have right. went up the other end in the last minute and scored a goal, I sort of yeah. ran after him. Yeah, Mate, I followed your up.
3: game yesterday, mate. I was pumped. I was pumped Yeah, yeah. They, they were excellent yesterday. I mean, they, they,
2: they played well. We, we scored some good goals, but we missed some chances. We should just be burying teams.
0: Um, Harry, a, a Twitter question from Nick Rojas, and this wins our uh, Outback Steakhouse $100 meal voucher for our question of the week. Um, how do you feel for young Aussie players who've been given the label, the next Harry Kuehl? There's been a few of those. And what advice would you give someone who is given that label? It's a good question. I I, I hate it.
2: And not, I'm not not that I hate that. It's It's flattering for me. But... I don't like when people compare themselves to other people. Like one, people always say, oh, who did you look up to as a player? This, And I said, no one. Someone asked me that the other day. So what manager do you look up to? I said, no one. I said, I, I, respect, a lot of, I respect all my managers, but I want to create my own identity. And I think when you start labelling uh, young players like other players, are they trying to copy them or are they trying to emulate them? You know, they've got to be themselves. If they want to be the best that they can be, they've got to be themselves. And you can't compare them to anyone because everyone's different. And I hope, I mean, me playing, I only put Australia here. I hope the next generation go that bit further. And then we keep pushing because that's the only way we're going to keep pushing boundaries. That's the only way we're going to make Australian football better by getting better players and pushing them to a better limit.
0: Last one, uh, Harry, from Jason Kalecha. Uh, if your kids end up playing football, <laughs> will they play for the Socceroos or Matildas or for England?
1: <laughs> well,
2: uh, we we have this argument all the time. So my, my youngest was obviously <laughs> born in Melbourne, so she's an Aussie. So I think when, when when Australia or England play, there's two couches. There's an Aussie couch <laughs> and an English couch.
0: But which one are they going to be on?
2: She gets torn. She gets torn. Um, but no, look, I'd, I'd, I'd let them decide because I, I think it's only fair to let them decide. They're going to make their decisions. And if they make the wrong decisions, what's up to them? You know, they're yep. going to correct it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, Harry, um, we, we could have asked you about three million questions, but unfortunately the, the clock has beaten us and we, and we are about to run out of time.
1: You've got to let Spider. You've got you've got to let Spider... Oh, yeah, numbers. sorry.
0: Spider's, Spider's weekly question. Go on, Spider.
3: Mate, this is the main question of the show, mate. People want to know. So you've played at some of the best stadiums in the world. So we need to know the best stadium you've played at. But the one that people want to know is the biggest dungeon you've played at. What's the biggest dungeon you've played at?
0: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and you can't say Boundary Park. <laughs> <laughs> you know what... For
2: all the, the beautiful stadiums that I've I've played in, and they're only getting better now. I mean, I mean, what would be like to play at White Hart Lane now? Would be fantastic. You know, it'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, the one I used to love playing at the most was Highbury. Yeah, because it yeah. was horrible, yeah. and I knew <laughs> you had to be at your very best because you were playing a team that was like, like just scary you know and you had to be at your very best to 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 beat arsenal if you did that that means you knew you, you 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 were some team or some player so for me with all the the stadiums that have been around and are around i mean look the mcg was brilliant that night when we played in front of it was 110,000 when we were playing Tehran, 128,000 fantastic but harbin for me was sensational because that pitch was like a carpet mm. and then you it was it was just perfect and probably the dungeon that's 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 pretty easy probably main road
1: Now not that's, bad,
0: that's not a nice I'm way to finish. Not Harry. bad, so like that. Not, you're not coming on this podcast, though. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I, I couldn't let but that you one go. Me. You got me, mate. <laughs> brilliant. Hey, brilliant. brilliant, H. H. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with Oldham. Let's hope you keep the winning uh, uh, spell going. And 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 Georgie Blackwood keeps knocking in the goals for you as well. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Hey, thank you, guys. Good,
1: Thanks. Well done,
0: Cheers. mate. Cheers. Thank you. H. And that is us for this week. Our thanks to Harry for joining us and for you too. Hope you'll do likewise, same time, same place next week. Until then, bye for now.